Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O for anyone out there in the Instagram well, the realm that wants to look me up. Uh, you can also find us at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's uh, on Instagram. Guys, that's what I use. So if you have questions in the audience, please DM either my Instagram, my personal account, or at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's. That's where I collect everything. It's I don't really check the email unless I'm talking to potential food entrepreneurs that are going to be on the podcast. And even that's a little sporadic. I live in a very reality based world where the reality is, is everything's based on digital social media and marketing. So it's an avenue by which I communicate also. And I recommend everyone start thinking about it heavily because even email is too slow anymore in the world we live in. So um, just a side note, I still use it, but it's just definitely become the snail mail of the way I do things in terms of being able to communicate with even Kyle, as I'm about to introduce, um, to introduce things like the show and stuff like that. So with that being said, I'd like to introduce today's guest, Kyle Matiszewski of Bone, Birds and Bones Restaurant out of Arizona. How are you doing today, Kyle? Did I get that I'm all good, right? Man. Did I get that all right? <laughs> yes. That was a mouthful. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You got it right. How you doing? Good. I'm very good. So, Kyle, tell us your story. Like, I want the long version. Like, how did you get into the food business? How did you get into the barbecue business? Um, how did you end up owning your own restaurant? I think those are all big topics, but I really want to dive in because I think your particular story as an influencer and the way you went about becoming a food entrepreneur is unique in today's world, but also something that we're going to see trending, I feel, in the near future. But anyway, this the mic is yours, for lack of a better term. Okay, so the whole story. Yeah, it's whole story. It's, it's a long one. We got time. Hey, man, okay. uh, when you run your own podcast and there's no limits and no one gives you any boundaries, including cuss words, you get to go wherever you want. So, <laughs> so All right. cool. Alright, so yeah, my name is uh, Kyle Matiszewski. I'm the owner of You're Behind Barbecue Birds and Bones. That's our restaurant. Um, You're Behind Barbecue Rubs uh, rubs and Seasonings. Uh, we got some sauces and stuff coming out as well. Um, and also I do a barbecue, co- I have a barbecue competition team as well. Um, so how I got started was basically um, growing up, I grew up in a small town called Waddell, Arizona. It's about 45 minutes west of Phoenix and growing up small town, you know, kind of a hillbilly town. Uh, my parents always had me in sports. So I was playing sports a lot and uh, football was the only thing that kind of stuck to me. So um, I played football probably every year, man. And out here they'd have it by weight classes. And I was always the That's bigger like guy. me in soccer, not just to whatever, but it was like everywhere I could go, I played soccer as many teams yeah. as I could growing up, no matter what. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry, Kyle. Yeah. No, 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 you're good. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, you know, it, everything's by weight class out here. And I was always the bigger kid. And so I was constantly playing with the bigger kids and they would I got my ass handed to me left and right growing up, left and right by all the older kids playing playing ball. Yeah, I so know by that the, one. Yeah, so by and the older time brothers. I got to, so yes, yes. Well, see, I'm the oldest, so I got to beat up my uh, brother. <laughs> yeah, there sister you go. <laughs> so as as I got to high school, everything kind of caught up to me because now I'm a freshman, and all these kids are, you know, they've never played football before. Some of them have, and you know, so I absolutely, you know not to stroke myself or anything. I mean, I absolutely tore it up. So 
I probably did, I don't know, probably six practices. And the coach was like, yeah, we're going to move you up. So they took me to varsity. And I played on varsity all four years. And I, you know, I got my ass handed to me again. But by the time I hit sophomore, junior year is when I really started to explode. And get into my senior year, I had four uh, D1 full ride scholarships to go play football at big time schools. And the last play of the last game my senior year i tore my acl can i pause you for a second i don't remember the name of the movie but there's a movie that is very similar to this story about a quarterback though um gosh i want to say kurt russell's in it but i'm going to put it in the podcast notes for everyone because i just kind of relate to your story and and I want to do it as a touch point because I'm going to cliff note this point for everyone in their mind. Because as you continue to tell your story as a food entrepreneur, I want to make sure that we know that life happens for us and and what's happened for you and, in spite of this. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And so, you know, I, ACL was torn. All the scholarships, everything went away. So I was pretty devastated at the time and thinking, yeah. you know, what am I going to do now? Um my dad, my dad was working in Mexico and he was spending weeks out there, come back on the weekends and stuff like that. Um, about a year later after I graduated and stuff, I finally decided to get surgery. So I got ACL surgery done. My dad came back from Mexico and stayed with me and I was living in a two story house at the time. And, you know, growing up, my dad was always the cook. He, he loved to cook. He worked his ass off a lot, but No matter what, he'd always come home, make sure there was food on the table. So he was always the cook, you know, and I wasn't really into it. I was, you know, my dream, I was going to go play for the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) That was my dream. But uh, so anyways, so he came back into town and he was uh, he was helping me around the house, you know, two story house. I couldn't get up the stairs and all this stuff. So and I was on crutches Um, and, you know, daytime TV, daytime TV absolutely sucks. we stumbled upon this show called Barbecue Pitmasters. And yeah, what it was the show, yeah. Yeah. And what it was was they these T V crew would follow four or five barbecue teams that traveled around the country and went to these different barbecue contests and they competed for money and they all competed against each other. I mean there's anywhere from there could be twenty twenty seven to thirty seven teams to 87 teams all the way up to you know a couple hundred teams and they were traveling all over the country and it just looked like a big tailgate party and you know it was you know and it 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 sucked me in man and i was i was looking at it and these guys were winning big money too and yeah they you know knowing yeah and knowing that you know how much my dad loved to cook i was thinking you know this this could be something that like we could have like father and son time like a little bonding action maybe We'll get a grill. You know, I had all these plans and everything. So for Father's Day, I went out to the local uh, hardware store. I bought some rinky-dink cheap smoker. And, uh, yeah, so I got it home, and we were firing it up. My dad and I cooked on that thing probably every weekend. And by that time, man, I was eating and sleeping barbecue. Like, that's all I could think about. I was Googling stuff. I knew everything about from live fire to smoking food and what meat comes from where and different stuff like that. And so 
Um, yeah, so we were cooking pretty much every weekend, and I stumbled upon a contest, a local contest, about 30 minutes from me in Scottsdale, Arizona, and they were having a big barbecue contest. And I told my dad, I was like, yo, let's let's go do this. Let's go do this. So he thought I was crazy, and I said, you know what? Let's go. It'll be fun. We'll hang out, have some beers, meet people, and, you know, just hang out, father and son time. So we got this, we got this Breaking Bad looking motorhome. We got it all loaded up. We got our our POS smokers in there. And so we show up at the barbecue contest. And, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. There's all these big wig teams out there. I mean, there's full blown barbecue trailers and like like motorhome set up for cooking out of. And it was just a whole, it was a whole scene. It was fun. Um Every, you know, we made all the turn-ins. So at the barbecue contests, you turn in chicken, ribs, pork, and brisket every 30 minutes. And you have to turn six pieces in of the chicken ribs. Go ahead. Let's go back there for a second. Hold on. I'm sorry, uh, Kyle. Um, let's go You're back good. there. Explain that again because I didn't quite catch that. What mead every six minutes I, just blew my mind because I'm like, okay, now we're really talking. This is like a, an athletic event here that we're trying to <laughs> yeah. perform. So go back to that because I think the tie-in, and most people don't realize is that when in this world, and I've dabbled in this world a little bit, um, trying to do these contests or even be a host in these contests before COVID as we launched the podcast the first time and had the success, um, the same sex sex that we're starting to have now. I can't even talk. And so that being said, I want you to really talk about this. What's the timeline? What's the execution? And how do you manage this? So anyway, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, no problem. Um, so like in these con in a barbecue contest, you're required to turn you you cook chicken, ribs, pork, and brisket. So you got to have enough to feed six judges. So they give you a styrofoam, like a to-go box, like you would get it like a Chinese restaurant or your favorite restaurant. You want to take food to go, you get a little to-go box. So you got to fit six pieces of chicken at 12 o'clock. At 12.30 in the afternoon, you got to turn in at least six ribs. At one o'clock, you got to turn in six pieces of pulled pork. And then after that, at 30 minutes later, then you turn in six pieces of brisket. So we kind of knew the rules. I mean, from watching this show, we were hooked. And, you know, we kind of practiced at the house like, okay, let's do a chicken practice. Let's do a rib practice. Let's do, you know, brisket and pork. So we practiced all that. Go ahead. Are you selling and serving the public also? No, not at this time. This was just strictly for a, this was just strictly a contest. Okay, cool. Sorry to keep interrupting. I just want to get clarity because I'm trying to wrap my head around this, like a timeline and the amount of food we're yeah. talking about and all that. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, so anyway, so we would practice. We would practice each category, and we would write down a timeline: how long it took us, how long it took us to cook chicken, how long it cook it took us to cook ribs pork brisket you know how long it took us and then we kind of made this timeline and the timeline really started about midnight on saturday so at the contest you get there on friday you check in you set up your camp you get ready to go and saturday starting at noon is when you would turn the chicken in and then 12 30s ribs and so on and so forth um so we had this timeline written out and we our timeline started at midnight we were putting our brisket on 
at like 1230 in the morning. So 12 o'clock, we'd get up or if we were still up, we would light the smokers and we'd get the brisket on. Then a couple hours later, we throw pork on, you know, and then a couple hours later, we get ribs going, then we get chicken going. So we turned in each eat we we made every category we turned everything in and you know they give you they give you 10 minutes so if the category you know the category is chicken you got to be turned in at noon well you got to turn your food in they give you a 10 minute window between 11 55 and 1205 that's it and if you are if you are late they do not take your entry so we we made all of our entries we got everything in and the contest was held out here in Scottsdale, Arizona, is at the Arizona Diamondbacks training facility. So it was right on the field and they had a massive stage set up and there was 127 teams there cooking in this contest. Um, so we go to the contest and they start calling every they start calling names and they announce the top 10 who made the top 10 best chicken, pork, ribs, brisket. Um, we got a call for seventh place chicken out of 127 teams. And wow. my dad and I, my dad and I got to walk the stage together. You know, we kind of, we kind of looked at each other and it was like, I seen the smile on his face and I was like, man, this is something, this is something we can do. Like we're actually, we're actually pretty good. And you know, the other meats, yeah, they no were kidding. probably middle of the pack, maybe, you know, towards the bottom of the pack, but you know, I didn't care. We, we got to hear our name. Our name was called. We got to walk the stage pops and I, and you know, that, that's kind of how it started. And so after that, him and I were absolutely hooked. And during this time, there was probably one a month, one contest a month out here in Arizona. Really? And yeah. So him and I would load up this breaking bad, this breaking bad motorhome, and we would drive to these contests, man, once a month. So, you know, we started getting better and better with these contests. And when you're at these contests, a lot of people come around and they start talking to you and, you know, you're doing posts on Facebook, about, oh man, you know, how well we're doing a different contest. Then people start asking me, Hey, do you guys cater? Yeah. And it's like, uh, well, I've never done that before. Sure. Yeah. What, what, what do you know? <laughs> let's figure this so, out. Yeah. Let's figure this out. So here I am back to the drawing board, you know, getting on Google, Googling everything I can. And uh, we ended up doing our first catering event. And of course, we cooked way too much food. Everybody loved it. You know, say, you know, everybody's every way too much food. Yeah, always. Everyone so, always makes that mistake the first catering event because you always think the portion size in your head gets all screwed up. I've been there. Yes. Yes. And it's, you know, it's, it was, yeah. So it was a learning experience. And, you know, so we started breaking it down and doing all that. And uh, so we're still continuing doing the contests. And at the time, probably a couple of years later, we're still doing one a month. And, you know, we're kind of getting a name for ourselves out here in Arizona. And I bought a house back in uh, 2000, what was it, 2009. Um, I had a house and then my dad, he started going, he was going through a nasty divorce. So I didn't want him. He's, he lives on a big old farm ranch kind of thing. And uh, so I didn't want him living by himself because he was traveling back and forth to Mexico and, you know, the yard needed work done. You know, he needed somebody at the house. So our dream was to have a barbecue trailer and a barbecue trailer is a full blown food truck, but trail, but it's a, it's in a trailer. It's so much better option in my opinion. I know gas yes. prices and all that, but ha being able to detach and being able to go run for stuff while 
the trailers in place. I know everyone talks about food trucks and parallel parking and all that, and I understand it completely, but I've done all of them, and it's still to this day, trailers way better. But that's just yes. my opinion. But anyway, go ahead, Kyle. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> so so after I sold my house, and I, I put everything I had into getting a custom 40-foot trailer built, and it was – the trailer has a porch on the back end, so I could put a smoker on it. So every day I was at this, there's a local company called Progressive Trailers, and I was probably there every day watching them build this trailer, build this trailer, build this trailer. And, you know, when I was there, I would, I would say, yeah, let's make this a little bit bigger, make this a little bit wider, do the, you know, and I was throwing in little advice. So by the time they started framing it, I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, what did I get myself into? Because now, you know, the truck I had at the time, yeah. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't going to pull this 40 foot trailer. I, I've been there exactly also where we built something onto the frame so big. It went from like, okay, now an F two fifty F one fifty cannot pull this thing. We need an F four fifty or F five fifty because the amount of weight. And I will tell yeah. you this also from the story. I literally, the first two times we put, I think it was the second time I'm going down the long Island parkway to do a demonstration of fried chicken. And the first yeah. one we did, and we overshot the mark, just like you're talking about. I broke both axles on the thing going down because there's uh, so much weight. I didn't even think about it, but it happened. Yep. So yep. anyway, go ahead, Kyle. Yeah. So, you know, so I went out, bought a new truck. I got a dually. And so yeah. now we, we have a full blown catering That's slash awesome. food, food truck slash trailer. Love so, it. We're taking these to contests. We're still doing one a month. Everyone is getting in contact with me about <clears throat> catering the events or catering, you know, catering their weddings or birthday yeah. parties and stuff like that. So we'd say yeah, it was a cool thing. We'd set up the trailer out in front of their house or on the side yard and we'd, you know, sell food to the to the party. Well, then we got in contact with a uh, local or a, uh, a town out here called Glendale glendale arizona and they do a big massive light thing during uh christmas and it was a uh it was called glendale glitters so they have all these trees in this big park and they light up the whole park with all these christmas trees they got food vendors and stuff like that so in arizona so, because it's warm all year round basically i'm not positive about this but yeah. can the trucks go all year round i've never actually functioned in a food business in Arizona, New Mexico, yes, but not Arizona. Do they, um, I mean, can you have year-round food trucks? Is it the climate it, suitable for that? Yeah, you just got to pick, you just got to pick the good areas, um, cool. like breweries, of course. And, you know, there's not a lot, there's no festivals during the summertime. Uh, like 4th of July, there's a festival, but I mean, it's so dang hot. People are just wanting to see fireworks and then they leave. So, gotcha. Um, so yeah, you know, during this time, I still have a, I still had a full time job working at an aerospace company out here, and so I was doing all this on the on the weekends or weekdays whenever these you know people wanted, um, or the events were going on. So we went to uh, we were at Glendale Glitters and we were selling food out there. People started loving our stuff, and of course, the more catering comes rolling in. Um, also, downtown Glendale has an event during Super Bowl weekend is called the Chocolate Festival. And with the chocolate festival, you have to sell something with dipped in chocolate, basically, um, to be able to do this event. And they were begging for us to do it. And I'm like, man, I'm not a baker. I'm not, you know, we, we do barbecue. 
this is like a chocolate thing and this the promoter is like trust me you need to be here everyone loves your food we need you here so i was like all right so i made a bacon cheesecake dipped in chocolate i made a bacon cheesecake ball and i froze it and i dipped it in chocolate and i was selling those um so then the, those guys have a contest and That's they have the so creative I, I mean, did you come up with that yourself or was it something you saw? Like, I'm just so curious because no, it was, there's a lot of things good. you fry in, uh, in a barbecue or would you have a trailer or especially we had fried chicken, but I never thought about that one. And so that's pretty cool. Or I've seen that yeah. one that I know of. So Yeah, anyway. I was trying to – go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was, uh, I was trying to like – I was man, I was thinking of all kinds of crazy things. But I was trying to go with the barbecue theme, you know, because we're a barbecue place. I'm trying to, I'm trying, I want a barbecue theme. So, yeah, so we came up with this, this bacon. We made a cheesecake. We put a bunch of bacon in it and uh, we'd roll Love them into it. balls. I'd freeze it, dip it in chocolate, and we were selling those. If anyone so doesn't at, know, the name of the thing that the business that actually produces the podcast is on my behalf, and then we syndicate into Spotify, et cetera. Um, is better with bacon fat studios. So I think bacon is like the key to life. Obviously, that's why I named the company that. But anyway, go ahead, Kyle. Yeah. So, um, so at this chocolate festival, they have a they have a contest between all the vendors that are there. Now, there's vendors there that their full time job is chocolate. They make chocolate. So, we're up against I don't know. There's probably ninety vendors out there. Maybe more. Maybe a hundred vendors. And it's they're all selling chocolate, everything dipped in chocolate, everything you can think of dipped in chocolate. And um, so they have the mayor, a couple news anchors, and a couple uh, big time people from the city of Glendale that were the judges. And they'd go around and try everybody's food. And we walked out of there with first place, anything dipped in bacon or anything dipped in chocolate. We we took first place in that against all the chocolate guys. And let me tell you how pissed off these chocolate people were. That some barbecue guy comes in here and he wins the chocolate festival. So that that really exploded for us. I mean, we had we did a bunch of news. Can I we pause you of- for a second right there? Which I want yeah. you to continue. It's the I love this because the reason is is naturally in all environments and in all entrepreneurial aspects and in all competitions, like there has to be something different and there has to be someone willing to think outside the normal box to make it not so vanilla even though in this case it is chocolate pun intended and so and so what happens as entrepreneurs in the blue ocean and what you did is you took a chance and took a risk and by doing so you were willing to take a different risk than most people were willing to and I agree with you there's a lot of chocolate covered everything it's I think one of it is your approach to life and like I said uh, before that movie that I was talking about is called touchback I will put it in the notes for everyone but it's about you know a, a football player similar to you that hurts his knee um, quarterback last game loses all of his scholarship and life puts him in this farming life with a wife and kids he's not sure about because he was no longer with the prom queen or whatever but it's a very good movie about the entrepreneurial aspects of life and how long it takes sometimes by doing the right thing and then achieving the entrepreneurial glory. You know, the things that seem shorter through sports now seem longer through entrepreneurialism, but one is you build 
legacies and stuff as an entrepreneur. And even if you're a good sportsman, you only build the legacy if you're a good entrepreneur. Also, Michael Jordan being the example and Shaquille O'Neal, obviously. So um, back to what you were saying, Kyle. So you start getting into all the newspapers and stuff. Yeah, we got into all the newspapers and a lot of the uh, a lot of the news stations all wanted to come. A lot of them wanted to come do the weather. They come do the weather at our booth at our at our trailer, and then they would sample all the food and tell us, "Hey, you know, everybody, come on!" Or tell the people, "Come on down." These guys won the chocolate festival and stuff like that. Um, so then, you know, that following year, we were still doing contests. I think we bumped it up. Now we're probably doing two a month. Nah, and we're doing we're still doing the catering we're still doing you know little special events and different what, stuff like what's that. what's the trailer called just for the audience so they can find it it's called progressive trailers cool go ahead keep going yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um yeah so that next year we uh continue doing the contest to a month and we were also doing catering special events festivals and stuff like that Okay, so now the festival, the chocolate festival is back. And, you know, they want us there. And so we signed up for that. And now I'm thinking, okay, these people are going to be gunning for us. What is something we can, what is something else we can do? So I came up with the idea. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of stupid. But I made the bacon, the bacon cheesecake. I put it between two cookies and I dipped that whole thing in chocolate. <laughs> So, wow. um, I was noticing other vendors out there, the chocolate people, they were all cooking bacon. They were all cooking bacon now and dipping it in chocolate yeah, and handing that out. So, so, you know, I was kind of, I was hoping I'd one up them. Um, so they came back, everybody, they were judging again and boom, we won for the second year in the row for our bacon cheesecake. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of where it kind of started to take off and. We had more catering lined up. We were almost booked for a solid year. That, after we won that contest, we were probably booked for almost a solid year every weekend, catering, then, you know, and doing special events and stuff like that. Um, so then, then COVID came, okay? COVID came and COVID wiped everything out. COVID wiped out the catering. COVID wiped out the vending at special events or festivals, all that, every, you know, the everything got shut down so now we didn't know you know i still have a full-time job this wasn't my full-time job but vending and catering and stuff all of that paid for me to go do these contests and that's you know that's kind of where my passion was at too is these contests um so all the barbecue contests got shut down and a a new organization popped up and it was called the steak cook-off association okay and what and I what the this. state cook, yeah. So what the state cookoff association was, is you pay 150 bucks wherever wherever the contest may be. You pay 150 dollars. They provide you with two steaks, two ribeye steaks. They're about an inch and a half, um, and you have to turn in one whole steak, however you want to cook it. You turn in one whole steak into the styrofoam to go box, styrofoam to go box. And you turn it into judges. And these six judges are going to eat your steak. And then you're going to get judged. So it's kind of the same thing as the barbecue, but this was less expensive. And this was just a steak. So at these steak contests, 
they also have a side category, which is called ancillaries. So ancillaries, they can say, okay, you know, the state contest is here. Um, it's going to be a, it's going to be the state contest. And we also are going to do a burger contest, or we're also going to do a chicken wing contest or a dessert contest or, uh, you know, whatever they wanted to do a burrito. Um, so that was the ancillary category. So me sitting at home thinking, you know, what am I going to do next? I found these contests and I started doing them and my fourth contest state contest I ever competed in, I won the whole damn thing. So winning one of these state contests now takes you to the world championship in Dallas, Texas, and you get an invite to the world food, uh, the world food contest. That's in, incredible. Yeah. In orange beach, Alabama. So, so this thing is crazy. It's perfect competition for an athlete or an athlete-minded yes, person. Yes. So anyway, keep going. Yeah, and you know, I'm a very competitive person and I like I just I found my home. Like I found where I needed to be pretty much. Yeah, I understand um, that for sure, especially yeah. right now in my life. Yeah. So, I started doing these contests and uh I got pretty I was getting pretty good and you know, they they rank you per the points or per uh per like you turn it in you get you know if you get placed in the top 10 in these state contests or these ancillary contests you get points and all the you know first place is 10 points 10th place is 10th place is one point so they started doing you know it's kind of like nascar you chasing points so anyway so i started getting pretty well and i go to the i go to the championship that year and i was fifth place overall in the world in in the ancillary division so I, you know, it's still it's still kind of COVID-ish. Not really. The barbecue contests are slowly coming back on the West Coast, and so I'm still doing those. But then, you know, I kind of buckled down and I said, you know what? Um, I want to chase points, and I want to be the ancillary champion of the world. And so I traveled the year, yeah, last year I traveled fifty. I did fifty-four contests in wow. one year. Wow. Wow. So talk to me about so, that. Is that is your father involved with that, or is it just you? Yeah, he, my dad was involved. He went to a lot of them, but about most of them, um, I had I was jumping on an airplane and flying out to flying out to different uh, different states. I mean, the farthest I went was Pennsylvania to go cook, uh, Alabama, Florida. I mean, I was all over the place. So how do you get the equipment there? Do you take it with you? Explain this. Do they have it there for these contests? Like, how do how does so, this happen? Yeah, so um, if I'm going to fly into a contest, you know, and doing a lot of these barbecue contests I was doing and different um, different catering events, you know, you meet a lot of people. And I had everywhere that I planned on traveling and I wanted to go cook at, I would have, I would have a buddy there or a friend there that I could, you know, call and say, hey, you know, I want to go do this contest. I need to borrow like a canopy, a table, a grill you know, et cetera. So a lot of the times I was borrowing stuff, man. So hold on here. So let me just back up because I just want to, yeah. I just want to hit the brakes. So yeah. this is what, this is what's going to happen here. I'm going to just take everyone in the audience. So give me a second, Kyle, cause I'm going to get back no to where you are, but I want to just back up a second. Okay. Yeah. Because in the analogy that you just gave me unintentionally, I think, or maybe intentionally is that this, okay. Life is about never having things perfect. And life right. is also about 
putting yourself in uncomfortable situations on purpose so you grow, okay? Kyle's competitive attitude as an entrepreneur created a situation where the equipment didn't become an obstacle to him. Okay, the obstacle became how is he going to get there? How is he going to do all of them? Not do I have the equipment? Do I have the time? Am I going to do this or not? Oh my gosh, should I do all of them? Oh, do I have my dad as my partner? No. What Kyle did was he was fearless in his pursuit and he adjusted and also the skill set that he got probably based on all the equipment he had to cook on is probably out of this world and the amount of different temperatures and different things you had to deal with. And, and geez, and I know in the food business, people don't think about this, but when you travel like that, and I don't know if it matters in barbecue, but it matters in other food for sure is altitude and time to cook and, and all that. And where was the meat actually processed from? What kind, you know, and sometimes the grass, the cow eats matters. And so I just, I, you know, I'm not fully how it goes into a microscope level like that. Cause I dealt with thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds, um, in my past life as an entrepreneur. So until uh, August of this year, so trying to conceptualize that I'm like, how do you adjust all that? How do you adjust for the equipment? But I think it's probably something that's become a weapon in your arsenal. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of stuff I was borrowing too, from people, it's, it's always different. It's always different types of grills or different types of, you know, things I was, I was going to borrow and use. And, um, you know, uh, probably a week before every contest, you find out, you know, you find out it's a steak contest and then you find out I was really interested in the ancillaries. So the ancillaries, you know, like the wings, burgers, you know, whatever they wanted to choose. That was kind of my forte because it was like, it was, you could be outside the box as, you know, as, as big as you wanted that like you can do whatever you wanted to do and just be creative with it. And, uh, well, so and I is would, it, would, so it's at random also. So it's not the same thing every time. So you're also dealing with random food, random equipment. Yes, and yes. okay. I love this because as an entrepreneur, I love that space because also as an athlete, no matter how much you train or you plan and I played soccer, so there's not really set plays unless there's a foul or it's an indirect direct kick or a corner kick or a throw and there's plays sometimes. But in football, it's a little more structured, but there's still massive chaos in life and in sport, even within the structure of the sport. So go on. Yeah. So, you know, um, so I would practice, I would practice a lot. It just depends you know, whatever the category was, but my, I think my strength was being different and kind of like you were saying, like taking a chance, like, um, for instance, one of the side categories that I have seven first places in was ribs. And I would go to these contests, you know, these state contests. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of barbecue guys at these contests. And I would notice that, you know, or I would, you know, I'd kind of say to myself, like, you know, hey, a lot of these guys are all going to turn in, quote unquote, competition style ribs, you know, and I, that's I wasn't going to do that. So I was going to be completely different. So, for instance, I made a chipotle mango rib. And when you cook ribs, you know, you put it on the grill and you do about two or three hours and then you'll take it out. And then you'll wrap it in foil. You'll put butter and some apple juice and stuff like that inside of the foil. And then you'd put it back on the smoker and you'd let it continue to cook until the temperature was right or the feel was right, you know, for a barbecue contest. And that's what a lot of guys do. And in these steak cook-off contests, 
the ancillary division, it's open game. You can turn in anything you want as long as it's, you know, ribs. Um, so what I would do is instead of me wrapping it in foil, I would cook the whole rack of ribs and I would cook it for about three hours. I would pull the rack of ribs off and I would slice the ribs and you know it was still tough it wasn't real tender yet and what i would do is i would wrap each rib in bacon and i would wrap it real tight in bacon so the bacon is acting like the aluminum foil yeah absolutely like you would do in a contest well, and, and the, then i'd put the those... high fat content seals everything in that's something that's yes. cool about animal fat but anyway yes, go ahead yes. So I put that back on the grill and I would turn those in and I would be blowing people out of the water with these because, you know, and I'd also think of a judge. If you're a judge and you're sitting there and you have, you know, you know, you have a bunch of entries to try, they're all competition style ribs. And then when you get, when you get my ribs, they're wrapped in bacon. Now you got this woe factor. Like, wait a minute, did this guy just wrap ribs in bacon? Yeah. And so they would eat it, and I think you know that was my it. advantage. I fucking love that was it. my fucking <laughs> that was my advantage, man. It's always being different. It's, you know, I would always turn in just I would just be off the wall. And now, don't get me wrong, a lot of times I'd get smacked in the face with it. You know, but I, most I, I know that feeling too. But it's always it's the knowing that there's that one time that you're gonna get it, and people are gonna realize what you're doing, or someone's gonna get where you're going in your direction. And then you're like, Oh, that's all the momentum I needed. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, that was just, that's just been my thing. And that's been my thing since day one is I want to be different. I want to stand out. I don't want to be a traditionalist. I call it, you know, freestyle. I want to freestyle it kind of like a rapper. Okay. Let's, let's do a freestyle real quick. So I'm going to freestyle whatever, whatever I'm making. Um, so anyway, so yeah, I cooked, I did the 54 contest that year. Um, I finished second overall in the world and you know, I was good about that. I lost by just a couple of points and you know, if I could have squeezed in a couple more contests, but you know, the only two free weekends I had was Thanksgiving and Christmas. That was the only two free weekends I had last year. So, um, <laughs> your story is incredible. You go from like a breaking bad mobile home to like this food trailer do you still have the trailer i still have the trailer yes sir and on the trailer what does it say what's the name of the business on the trailer it's called you're behind barbecue okay you're behind barbecue okay so it's the same yes. way i contacted you i just wanted to make sure so everyone can find you on there because yeah. i'm just like i i don't even know how i'm gonna even we're gonna. They're looking at me like they, I just can see this person limping to me. What are we gonna do for the show notes? Because they're so such a mouthful, and we have so much I know, more I'm to sorry. go. I no, 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 no! Don't never be story. sorry. Never be sorry. This is the content that, as the audience knows, they eat this up. And you're so different. And we haven't had something like. This. And like I said, I've been in this space, and I unintentionally when I I thought we were gonna talk about rubs, I didn't realize all the restaurants and all that when when we had done the vetting i didn't realize the whole tie and so i get it you know i'm not in the barbecue space as much like interestingly i'm in food but barbecue is not something i go after all the time i like it and it's a a thing for me but i'm so eclectic that and in the food space that i like trying different things and new things all the time like you know like i'll even eat crickets and and mealworms and doesn't really matter monkey brains doesn't nothing i'm not scared of anything i'm fearless in my pursuits and um 
so that being said, I'm also fearless in my pursuits that I'm willing to go anywhere alone and fight my battles or start over or be an entrepreneur or try to build the life that I want. And I like that you did that with the barbecue because it's not a matter. People get so caught up in the attachments that we have and it's it's not saying that they're not important but often they're they're actually just obstacles in our own brain that keep us from taking the risks that Kyle just took to become a superstar in a way or what I will argue as a major superstar in the making because how old are you Kyle I am 34 there you go so and I will tell you that from 34 to where I am now was some of my personal most growth years. Um, as an entrepreneur, my growth years and business years and growth were before that. I had 17 years by the time I was 37 and being an entrepreneur just in food and then years of before that just by nature and growing up on a farm. But it's the thing I like about what I just what we just talked about is there's 50 years left at least. And Kyle's the type of person I can already tell that's never going to retire, whether it's this business or the next business or whatever, because he's driven by life and the chances that life gives and the competition of life, which is just the natural hardship that life has. And if you go seek it, you win. If you let it seek you, you lose, period. That's it. And that's, it's one of the core values I live by. Like if I have to go seek discomfort, I have to go seek things and I have to go after opportunities that are so hard and they're, they hurt and, and sometimes they're emotional and they can destroy me in ways temporarily because I know that on the other side of the growth or the risk or being alone for that moment is, is where I want my life to be or my, or the people around me or whatever. I don't know, but it's just like the podcast. Like I generally didn't yeah. like talking to people or even public speaking, but then I'm like, Oh challenge. Someone challenged me to podcast to do three a week. Yeah. I'll show you. I can do a podcast three a week. And then I'm like, Oh, I'll just interview a few entrepreneurs, you know? And it just, here yeah. we are now. This is my career and my life. Number one, and a few businesses and entrepreneur life that I had before around that is gone after 24 years. And here I am in a new life trying to grow other entrepreneurs and give back for the gifts I've been given, which I started almost five years ago now, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, maybe four, yeah, four years ago. And so in January. So Kyle, let's yes, talk about your competitive nature. Let's talk about because I don't normally get into this always in, in podcasts, but I feel as an athlete and as someone who's competitive, there's the 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 thing that you say in your head all the time, and there's this motto that you're always saying to yourself or these core values you live by, and I want to get back to the barbecue and the rubs and, and talk about the trailers more. But first, I want to pause and just talk about you as an individual because a lot of people that get on here think that it's about an idea of doing something but it's actually about the person you are and what you instill in yourself that makes your business successful as an entrepreneur or not so can you talk about that a little bit yeah yeah just uh like my like my competitiveness yeah your ethos like, like what drives you what motivates you what inspires you what keeps uh, you going you know, every morning how did you get on 54 flights well, you know, I don't know. I just, I always, I always set a goal. <laughs> you know, I always, I, you know, it's the typical, you know, everybody sets a goal and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't, 
I'm I'm kind of the serious nature to where if I set a goal, like I'm I'm going after it. Like yeah. that's that that there's no end game. Like I'm gonna go after that. I'm gonna break the doors down, and then I'm going after something else. Like what's next? You know what I mean? So, um, I've always I've always been you know. Uh, this, I don't know, like this podcast. The, no, I got to tell you, Kyle. It's like all of a sudden I'm aligning with all these people's energy that are like so in my realm. Like I'm building a, like a team around me, and so it's like you're. I'm getting pumped up. Like I can feel my adrenaline going. So I got to be a little careful because I don't want to start sputtering too fast on the podcast. And I normally I have to trick. I can trigger it. Like I snap my fingers or I pat my chest a little bit with my fist or my palm. And I can spark the adrenaline to pick myself up or or really get myself going if I have to speak or do the podcast. But just talking to you gets me wrought up. So, I mean, by nature, you just want to win because there is no other option to you. And what I love about this, and it's the same for me, and I just did this um, recently, is like, what am I going to do? What has my life got me right now? And, and your situation is probably different than mine. But... I, you know, my family life is different. My entrepreneur life is different. I'm now a solo entrepreneur. I'm now a bachelor, I guess, by, by the use of the words. And I picked up and moved from Denver to Nashville to drive this podcast thing home. And then, you know, I picked up other work here and there and consulting and stuff to, to make sure that I can keep enjoying my life and standard as I disentangle things a little bit. But it's really cool that you said that because that's the way I handle this. I'm like, I have nowhere else to go. I love doing the podcast. It's what I want to do. My end goal is to be the number one food podcaster in the world. Why? I'm going to try it. Why not? And so if I'm going to live and I'm going to do it, it means I've got to hustle and it means I've got to hit the ground hard and I've got to get rejected probably 99% of the time. Even when I do the filters, even when I vet the people, even when I go pursue the person on the podcast, 99% of the people are too scared to get on here. And you and I just talked about that at the beginning before the notes that one of the things that holds back entrepreneurs, the ability to be the brand and talk about themselves and go out there and social media now and understand that even though the, your company has a different name, you as the entrepreneur are a huge part of the brand and influencing your own brand. So, yeah. um, I love the risk taking and yeah. I like that it's part of who you are. And for me, um, as I've gone through this major transition since February of 2022 that I'm talking about this year, uh, both personally and from a business standpoint, it's the only way I got through it. And it's the only way that I can literally think that I'm not totally broken. Uh, in some ways, um, because even though there was a positive, you go from an entrepreneur running lots and lots of businesses to having no purpose suddenly, and it can be like falling to rock bottom. And you're like, why do I feel like crap? I have everything I want. What is going on? And yeah. it's about that. It's about that. If you don't have the pursuit, you don't have the right relationships, you don't have the right people in your life. It doesn't matter. And, yeah, and 24 you know, years and later. Another thing Go ahead. You know, another thing too that, you know, that's been distilled to me since I was a kid and I can thank my dad for that is, you know, don't half-ass anything. If you're going to do it, go out and fucking do it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Go do it. Just don't half-ass it. Like that's, yeah. that's kind of my, that's kind of my thing is I don't half-ass anything. If I'm, if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going all in on this, this barbecue thing, well, I'm going all in. Like, why can't I be the best? So yeah. I'm going all in and I, I'm not going to half-ass it. You can half-ass it and do stuff like that. That's fine. But I mean, are you ever going to get to where you want to be? No. Yeah. You need to go all in. And 
that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of my thing, man. That's that's how I've and I and I agree with it. And I've learned this the hard way, just so everyone's aware as an entrepreneur, because I go all in. Like I am yeah. all in. I burn the ships. Okay, like I'm not gonna waste anyone else's time. I'm not gonna waste your time. Like we're growing. Like let's figure this out. If we can't move on, business partnerships, relationships, whatever. But I'm at a point now where because of that, I and because of my businesses and because of both the losses and the successes in both my relationships and my businesses and my business relationships or life in general, that I now understand life a little bit differently. And Here's what I'm going to say, and, and I'm going to speak out of turn, but one of the most important things for me that I've learned is that as an entrepreneur, if there's not someone else, if you want a partner in life, they've got to have that same burning desire of some 100%. sort that they were born to do something. And I didn't realize it until recently, but it's hugely important. Here's what's weird. I've always asked the question in the world of relationships and and trying to find someone, but I never realized how important the question was when it was actually like, oh, here's four questions you need to ask, and they're really important, you know, and they stem from biblical purposes and, and this and that, and they were instilled in me, but I never realized how important that particular question was. Did you know, have you felt something from when you were born? And if you didn't, did you discover what it was? Because as an entrepreneur and knowing what I was born to do, if someone else doesn't know what they're born to do or have that drive to win at everything or be hardworking and never half-ass anything in life, because as an entrepreneur and a person that wants to win, I don't want to waste a single second. I'm all in. It's that. And you find balance. Like I can be all into my relationship. I just focus on it when it's that time. I can be all in to my business. I just focus on that when it's that time. And and I let the people that are in my life now and in a new relationship or whatever I pursue, it, you know, and I've been had success in the past, which is just let the person pursue it. They and support them in it. The best thing you can do is help excel them and they help excel you. And then you help excel family together or businesses together and even as business partnerships. How do you benefit each other? Because I think a lot of people get into, oh, I do this and he doesn't do anything and I do this. and do. Well, what can you do? You know, so winning and having someone who wins and wants to win like you do, and it's interesting, this is really a big topic in my life right now, is important. And for you, Kyle, you had a dad who wanted you to win and a family, which yep. is important. And I don't know what your romantic life is. We never talked about it. But for me, like I said, um, it's an important part of understanding now that it's in order to succeed and grow and have a family and kids that have the legacy or have the ability to excel in this world and win like Kyle's winning – um, it takes the right type of partner and marrying the right person. Um, not that I someone wasn't right before, but it's just that life looks a little bit different when your purpose changes. And for me, it changed when I no longer had to take care of all the employees and all their families and all that. And so now I'm giving back, but I'm also like, okay, I want to win at life in the way that I want to also. So I appreciate what you said. So Kyle, I want to keep going. So what happens like you're now on the road all the time what is the life ahead for you you're you're talking about a restaurant you you have yeah. the food trailer so let's go through that yeah so you know um 
I took, you know, I took second in the world. I was pretty pumped about that. And, you know, my dad and I, we've always talked about more, yeah, actually more my dad. He's always talked about, you know, hey, we should, we should open a restaurant. We should open a restaurant. Well, I've been working at this aerospace company for 16 years now. And, you know, it's a very good job. I get paid very, very well. I get, you know, vacation time. I mean, I was gone, you know, ever since COVID, they moved me to a shift called four tenths. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're working four tenths. You got every Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. So that's what kind of allowed me to do this, do these, you know, the 54 contests. Um, so my dad, you know, he's always kind of talked about that. And I was always telling him, I was like, you know what? Not yet. Like, not yet. Like we got to just keep rolling this and just keep rolling the dice. Um, so after that, a, uh, a couple buddies and, my, and me, uh, we teamed up together to go do a couple barbecue contests because there was nothing happening out here on the West Coast. And so we would travel, you know, we went to Humble, Texas. We got third place overall out of 227 or 223 teams. Um, then we went to Shawnee, Oklahoma. We got third place overall. Um, then we went to Kanab, Utah, and we won the whole damn thing. And then we went to Boulder, Colorado, or Boulder, uh, Nevada, and we won the whole damn thing. So it was a barbecue contest. So you win a barbecue contest, you get invited to a World Series of Barbecue, and that's in Kansas City. There's 500 plus teams. Every team that is there has to win a barbecue contest, and you're invited to cook it. So what we did is, you know, we cooked our asses off, and we ended up taking third place overall out of 500 and some teams at the American Royal. That's and right, That's and incredible. right then and there, yeah, and you know, right then and there, you know, ev- you know, everybody's congratulating you and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and you know the 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 status, my my barbecue status, it's, it's it's moving up now, and you know, people know who I am, and. You know, and it's it's getting bigger and bigger. And uh, I had a person slide into my DMs on uh, Instagram, and she was a casting agent for a TV a barbecue show called uh, Firemasters. So she wanted me to interview for this, and I interviewed for it. Um, I got it, and they flew me out. And it was still kind of COVID-ish, so they flew me out to Canada uh, to cook on a Food Network show called, you know, Bar- uh, Firemasters. So I cooked on that. I got my ass handed to me, man. I was nervous. It was it was just all bad. But you know what? I took a chance. I said, screw it. I want to do it. You I have need, to I lose to in order to win. I always, you know, it's yeah. always the way it is. It's just, you know, and I got around it. Yeah. And I got my ass handed to me. And boy, let me tell you, I was, I jumped on that, you know, and a flight from Canada to Arizona is pretty damn long. Yeah. And I'm on that flight, man. And I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm depressed. But then I'm just like, you know what? You're so much better than this. You're you're so much better. And uh, I got back, and my pops, you know, he, he felt bad for me, but, you know, he gave me the talk. Like, you know, everybody needs to get their ass whooped every now and then. And I totally agree with that. You know, I was, yeah. living, I was living high on the, you know, I was yep. living we high We all need to be humbled every once in a while, me included. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. The humbling and getting torn down sometimes is necessary. Yeah. And you know what? And I was like, I, I'm not, that'll never happen again. Like, I, I wanted a second chance, and. Um, so anyway, so this year, um, I still did my thing. I cooked a lot of contests, probably, I think it was about 30 contests this year. And, um, I got a, another person slid into my DMs and asked me to interview for this TV show 
I can't say the name yet, but they wanted me to interview for this TV show. It's on Food Network. And basically what they're going to do is they're going to follow me around at the American Royal and watch everything I do. And I was like, okay, you know, cool. And there's a, there's a big time chef on there. He's a, uh, he's the host and he follows me around through the whole contest and stuff like that. And, uh, my buddy and I, we took fourth place overall at the American Royal this year. And coming back, coming back, coming back home to Phoenix, um, my dad and I, there was a local cook-off in Florence, Arizona and, him and I decided to go do it, you know, spend some, you know, bonding, hanging out. And we went and did this contest and my dad and I won the whole damn thing. This city, you know, it's about, it's about an hour drive from where I'm at. And this city kind of wrapped their arms around us. They, my dad was selling food and I was doing the contest and every, almost everybody in that town came and just raved about how good the food was. Amazing. The mayor ate, the mayor ate there, the <laughs> town officials, all this, all this stuff. And, and what do you normally serve out of the trailer at this time? Just so the we, audience knows and everyone can know, sorry, I was a little far away from the mic and the audience. I'm yeah. thinking of questions here, but how, what do you serve as food out of it? Cause I, I don't think we ever talked about it when you do a catering or you do an event like this. So, Go on. I want I want you to continue the story, but I want people to be able to literally imagine sticking their teeth into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it was a it was, it was a normal barbecue contest, like I talked about before that we were at. And you know, my dad my dad wanted to sell food, and it was just him. So what we did is we smoked we smoked about four or five massive pork butts, and pork butts is basically pulled pork. So we smoked that. Um, we shredded it all up into pulled pork. We made little, we had these little tortillas, little street tortillas that we would put the big, uh, big, we put the pulled pork on, we put coleslaw on top and we put roasted corn. So we were selling pulled pork, you know, roasted corn, pulled pork, street tacos is what we were selling. Um, yeah, we were doing that, you know, the whole town ate, like I said, and, uh, after us winning that contest, the town officials, and the mayor kind of pulled us aside and said, basically, what can we do to get you guys to open up a restaurant out of here? And, you know, really, we were, seriously, yes. yes. Cool. So they they got us in contact with one of the uh, real estate agents out there. And she showed us a building that was for sale out there. And, um, you know, it was it was it was it was a, it was a nice place. It's in a historic district. And. You know, it, we were just looking at it and we we're like, man, like this is just not set up the way this building was set up. It's just not set up for us to run a barbecue restaurant. If we wanted to do this, like we needed something, you know, that was that was set up geared towards a restaurant. This place was kind of an open. It was an open building and we'd have to build walls. We'd have to, you know, all the appliances we would need. I mean, there is just tons of stuff that we would need it to be done. Um, so after that. You know, we kind of passed on that and a couple months went by. We got a phone call and said, hey, um, there's a very popular Mexican food restaurant down here that is wanting to sell. But these people will only sell if um, if it's the right if it's the right people or if it's the right, you know, if it's the right type of place that could be in this building. Interesting. Um, yeah, so we went and we met with the lady that owned the place, and it was like a small little taco shop, and all the appliances, fire codes, suppression systems, everything that we would need was in this place. 
And the only thing really we needed to add would be a uh, would be a smoker, and we, you know that's that's no big deal. Um, so we, uh, you know, we we agreed, and we said, you know, hey, this could be a good fit, and we were going to kind of push the envelope a little bit and see what it would take for us to buy the place. Now, this place is about, like I said, about an hour from where I live, and this is in a small community, small, you know, very small little town um, that's growing. It's growing and. The place is on a uh, is downtown Main Street, right in the historic district, right smack dab downtown of this place. And so the curiosity in me is I was like, OK, well, let's see what's available, you know, by us somewhere. You know, I don't have to buy another house. I don't have to, you know. So I looked in Maricopa County and that's the county that I live in. And every building that was for sale was a million dollars was a million plus. So me looking into that, they the bank told me, it's like, well, if you want a million dollar loan or, you know, a million and a half, whatever the building was, you're going to have to have $600,000 worth of uh, assets. Now, I ain't got $600 worth of assets and yeah, nobody no was kidding. giving me it. You know what I'm saying? What nobody was giving me a million dollars. Oh, what is that? Going, what's going on there? Yeah. And that was, that, that. now that's for me to purchase the place. So now I'm like, okay, let's look at rent. Yeah. So I, I have a couple buddies out here that have barbecue restaurants in downtown Phoenix and, you know, Scottsdale and stuff like that. And they're paying anywhere from nine to $15,000 a month. Oh my God. I just now, can't even I believe the rates that are going on, but no, it's not, they're not alone. So I couldn't just... sleep at night knowing that I owe somebody $9,000 every month. I know I couldn't, I, know. Do, I couldn't do it. So, um, so I, we were looking at different buildings, different places around here. And, you know, the cheapest one we found that needed a lot of work was $6,000 a month. And so we contacted the Mexican food place again down in downtown Florence. And she said, we will sell you the whole building. The whole, you'll own the building, you'll own the restaurant, you'll own the whole damn thing. I love this. And so, this is what so, I think all food entrepreneurs should be focusing on also is owning the real estate. But go on. Yeah. So, yeah, so we pulled the trigger and we got confirmation in October, uh, first weekend of October, the bank called me and said, hey, congratulations, you are now a, you are now a owner of a restaurant. And a building. And the building and the land, you own the whole yeah. damn thing, that's your piece now. <laughs> there you go. So All the yeah, way so, down to the devil himself, There, it's all exactly, yours. Exactly, So now, I'm, you know, um, I'm kind of, I'm taking the chance now is, um, I didn't, Everyone's got a barbecue restaurant. When you think of barbecue, you get those guys that are like, oh, man, down in Texas, you know, they do this, they do that. Their brisket is this. You know, I am not trying to be a Texas barbecue place. I'm not trying to be your typical barbecue place. Uh, I want to focus on smoke fried wings. I want to focus on ribs. And I want to focus on uh, pulled pork tacos. So... Basically, I'm. It's called your behind barbecue birds and bones, for the smoke fried wings and the ribs. And now I'm gonna have weekly specials and stuff like that. It'll all get ironed out once we get closer to time. We plan on opening February, end of February, early Marchish. But that is that is how I'm looking at taking it. Is I'm gonna be the different barbecue guy. I'm not gonna be your you know brisket and turkey and sausages and all that. Now, granted, we're going to have that. We'll have that, you know, maybe a special or a Saturday night thing. or We'll have something like that. 
but really I want to focus on just the wings and ribs because nobody's doing that, man. It's nobody's doing just the wings and ribs. And if you know, like you've heard my from my story, is I'm different. I like to be different. And well, and here's the craziest how, thing. I want to talk about this. I love the yeah. difference. And what has happened is we we went into this wing business and football and wings and all that. And while they're still popular, there's this weird, like almost elasticity effect. If you're in economics, where the literally it literally springs back the other direction, and now we have a surplus of wings, and we can't get rid of them because everyone wants boneless everything, and yeah. so it's like okay, like so we have dark meat surpluses, we have leg quarter surpluses, we have like which is the dark meat, just so everyone knows, and and then we have this the wings, but anyway, so I love that you're concentrating on. I think it's important, but go on, um, please. Yeah. So. Kyle. Um, yeah, right. So right now we are in the, uh, we're in the middle of remodeling. We have, I've torn out the whole floor, uh, new floorings being installed right now. And, um, so yeah, that's basically where I'm at right now is, you know, kind of laying low working on this restaurant and, uh, yeah. And I hope to just blow people's minds with this chicken and wings idea, man. It's, uh, I, it's different and I want to be that guy. I want to be the different guy. Well, and it's always, I mean, they always say this in entrepreneurial school, which it's cliche, but it's true, is how, if you're going to make a cookie, you got to be different than the other cookie shops, ice cream shop, like food is food at some point, and you've got to be creative. And the problem is, is getting too stuck to, to, to tradition is not yeah. good for your business, okay? Correct. It's no different than, I, there's probably people have been smashing burgers for generations since the burger was invented, but the fact that smashing a burger caramelizes it versus a normal griddle burger or on a flame broil or on a barbecue and so on and so forth. Think about how many different versatile things a burger has and how many people have created different processes or different styles or putting an egg on a burger or bacon or whatever over the years. Yeah. So it's just an example, but I agree with you 100%. Yeah. So Kyle... Um, one of the things that I have um, here is I got some questions here, and um, they're sort of just talking to me through the through my earphones as they're doing this. So I'm still getting used to this. But um, the first question is, what is the thing that that you feel, or what are the things, sorry, that you feel, or or the attributes that you feel that you carried over from being an athlete that have benefited you as an entrepreneur? Um, I would say, you know, like I said earlier was, um, don't half-ass anything. Um, when I first started, you know, like in football, when I first started, um, I was always the bigger kid, of course. And, uh, I played with older guys and they would hand me my lunch, man. They would whoop my ass up and down the field. And, you know, and I learned that like, you know, I'm just a beginner. I've never played football. I've never done this. And, you know, they, they, they whooped me up, up and down all the way up until I got to high school and then everything caught up with me. So, I kind of took that as in when I jumped into this barbecue world, I knew I, when I jumped in, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not no world champion. I ain't gonna, you know, I'm just some random backyard guy that showed up at a contest and wanted to learn. So of course I got my ass handed to me, but you know what? I still got better and better and better. Um, that was one of them is, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't, yeah. You know, so that, that was, that was, just, that was one of the things, that was one of the things um, and yeah, I just don't like to half-ass anything. I've always been that my whole life. Um, any position, like they wanted me to play in football, you know, I was always bouncing around, but 
I yeah, stuck to D. I was the same in soccer. Just put me anywhere. I will play any position and learn yeah. any position. I like the challenge, yeah. defense, offense, midfield, goalie. Yeah. But that one, thank God, didn't stick. So, um, yeah, and, it, and it's a challenge. I, I I like the challenge, and I mean it's it's challenging everything that I do. And I mean, I think the hardest thing for me is I am I am sixteen years at this aerospace company. I am giving all of that up, and I am going to be running a restaurant full time. And so basically, you know, I'm at the top of the mountain in my job. Now I'm getting knocked down and I'm starting from square one, man. I'm, I'm going out there and I am, I'm going to pursue it all over again, basically when this restaurant opens. Yeah. I'm right where you are, bro. I swear. I'm like right there. I'm like, I've built 24 years of a life in companies and employees and SOPs. And now I have none of it. And I'm like all the way, I'm like, I willingly, put myself into Nashville willingly to start all over again and pursue this podcasting, which it is benefiting me. It, it is working out and it is getting picked up and it is going really well, but it is, it's the risk and yep. it's the willingness to do it. And even though I was at, I was probably at the top of my game in a lot of ways and I should have just gone into food production again and stayed in that space and healthcare and health food and home delivered food and soups and sauces for restaurants and grocery stores and co-packing and all. But I'm like, that's just not where this, my life is gone. And it's not where my passion is. It's not what the gift God is giving me or is calling me to do right now. And a lot of it's giving back, but it's also that this is where I want to be. And I feel like I need to use my voice. And so the same I think is for you is that it's time to take this talent and the skill that you developed and turn up the volume. And when you're all in, you can't have a distraction that's similar. You can't have two careers and excel at one. And you've excelled in spite of, honestly. And so now it's all in. And it's the same with the podcast. I succeeded with the podcast in spite of the constant distractions. If anyone looks at it, like it was like the first year we dominated, then COVID happened, and I literally lost a year of bookings, plus possible syndications, plus getting picked up by a network, and books possibly, and all this shit just went down the tubes, and all the speaking deals I had arranged. And it felt like the end of the world, honestly. And I'm like, okay, well, let's get food and food businesses. And then that obviously didn't go well because COVID messed that all up, and and we can get in that another time, but it was like, I'm never going to stop. I I know that I'm determined. I know that yeah. no matter what in life, no one will show up more than I will, and no one will ever work harder than me, and not Correct. only harder, but smarter, and no one will ever show up and be there for you or be in a situation or show up to fight as an entrepreneur for what I believe in than me consistently. And I can tell you're one of those individuals also. And that's how I make distance. It wasn't my intelligence. The intelligence came by working harder than everyone else. The intelligence came by going out and beating everyone by getting my ass whooped time and time again. And I was you. You know, I go over to in Europe and, and soccer and 13 years old and play in Italy. And next thing you know, they're like, oh, you're 13. Well, you're really good. You're playing with the 15-year-olds. And, okay. And then it's not only I'm an American getting called Sabaro because my name's Bizarro and making fun of me like I'm fake Italian pizza. That's why they called me Sabaro because I was a fake Italian, Italian-American playing soccer. Wah, wah, wah. So I got beat the shit out of that way also. But here's yeah. the thing is by the time I got into my adult years and I sprouted into my body, 
I was faster than anyone. Still probably am. I can still run a mile in under six minutes. It's freaking phenomenal, and I can't figure it out. But it's because I've always pushed myself to win, and I always push myself to get back up. I'm not only training to be better, but I'm training myself to get back up or for the challenge that you're talking about. And I'm getting myself wound up. I can see I'm spiking my adrenaline again. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and... Um, I- yeah, and you know, I, I didn't want to be the guy to sit on my couch 10 years from now and be like, what if? Yeah. Like, what if I did do that? What if I did buy that restaurant? What if I did open a restaurant? You know, I, I didn't want to be that. I'm I'm going all in, man. You only live once, and it's like, you know what? Screw it. If it's if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And I, I don't half-ass anything, man, so I'm, I'm literally all in on this thing. It's so crazy. I feel like I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna come visit you. I got to figure this out. How I'm gonna get to Arizona at some point in the next three months and whatever with all the other podcast things I do. But I'm I'm trying to budget in some of this stuff where I actually come visit everyone and get photos and make sure I get the food photos and stuff and start building the social media presence for the podcast. Now that awesome. it is a full focus and I do, you know, have a syndication partner and a partner that's picked us up. And everyone will guess what it is uh, sooner or later, but it's um, but it's why I can keep advertisement free. It's why I don't want any advertisements on here. It's why I want it to be about the entrepreneurs that are on here and their stories and learning from it. So if I can stay within that realm, great. And have I turned down sponsorship dollars? Yes, everyone should know this. I turned down the money no matter what because I don't want to conflict with the entrepreneurs that are on the podcast. It's about them. And then it's obviously about me trying to extract information out to help the audience any way that I can based on the 24 years of experience that I have in the food space or whatever and 40-some years of life experience. I wish I wasn't so old, but I am. So uh, I'm trying to figure out starting a family and settling down and whatever. I thought I was on my way, but life changes, and that's the way it is. And so – but I am – just like you, Kyle, very determined and focused. And I do know what I want in my life. Um, And when bad things happen, it helps me narrow that focus a lot. And or when I walk away from the top of my game to go try to pursue something where I'm not at the top of the game or but I'm getting close and I know I need to work on it, I think is one of those things. And it's the same with the relationships I pursue moving forward. And even with the podcast relationships I pursue moving forward, it's very much that I am in pursuit of long-term relationships that both parties benefit and that it's understanding and kindness and it's there to grow each other or each other's businesses or whatever it is. And that's this podcast in and of itself in a nutshell is of course, I'm going to spend my time for free. Of course, you guys are going to volunteer your time. It benefits your business. It benefits other entrepreneurs. And in order to benefit as an entrepreneur, you got to grow other entrepreneurs. And I talked about this in the last podcast, but I want to talk about this with Kai also, is KFC didn't become super famous until he actually trained Dave Thomas. And Dave Thomas formed Wendy's and he gave back. And then all of a sudden, KFC blew up. And he was how old yeah. even when he started KFC. So it's kind of scary to think about that. It took him until he was almost 60, 70 before he realized, oh, the key to life and being an entrepreneur and actually making this ever after years upon years of failure. Oh, give back to another individual who's going to end up being my competition, but they're going to help me grow the fast food market. Oh, yeah. there's that. And so how did you come up with your team? They're telling me to ask questions. We're running out of time. They're like, hurry up. 
Um, how did you build your team and how do you lead your team for these barbecue competitions? Um, so basically when I first started, it was just my dad and I, and it was, you know, it was father and son time, baby. So us hanging out and stuff like that. Um, then, you know, as soon as we got better and better and better, I kind of, I kind of took over the whole thing and, uh, I kind of took over the whole thing and my dad, my dad would come and, you know, come help out with anything I need and stuff like that. Um, during COVID, you know, my buddies and I, we created a team. It was one dude that his full-time job is rubs and sauces and stuff like that, that he sells. And he goes and does comp competitions by himself all the time. And then I have another buddy that, um, is a single, you know, he's, he's by himself. He cooks all by himself and he can only do a couple because it kind of kicks his ass, you know, when he's, uh, cooking by himself. Um, so us three became friends, you know, meeting each other at barbecue contests. And then, uh, um, we kind of, we kind of collided and said, Hey, you know, there ain't shit out here. Let's, let's go travel. Let's go travel the country and go compete at these other larger events and these bigger things. So are you um, single? Just out of curiosity. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. I'm single. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So, go uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was just us three, man. And we were traveling around cooking, doing these contests and, uh, you know, all three of us, I would say, blew up. I mean, uh, one of the guys, he's my business partner in this uh, in this restaurant we're going on. He's my business partner in the rubs that we're doing um, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, well, I, you know, I'm, I I kind of look at it like this. It's like if I eat, we're all eating. You know what I'm saying? Like Absolutely. If, if I'm doing well, like I want my friends to do well. I want Absolutely. I want everybody to do well. I want everybody to do well around me. And, yep. you know, I got my brother. My brother's on the team now. He's as long as everyone's willing to work for it, like right? As long yeah, as everyone's yeah, willing man. to work for it. You know, and a lot of people see now about how big how big this can actually be. Like Absolutely. how like there's no there's no there's no end game for us. It's it's uh let's just let's go all in. Let's just see what can happen. I mean, who knows? We could be the next McDonald's. Who knows? Exactly. Let's make it happen. Well, and barbecue is ripe for the explosion in the fast food market and there's like Dickie's barbecue, I think they're out of Colorado. I'm gonna forget the name for some reason. And um, yeah. there's some other chains here and there. And I know Martins are here in Nashville and they're starting to build momentum. But it's not in the way that you're talking about with the diversity of the product that you're talking about and in the style that you're talking about, which is the quick service. And so I like this. The other thing that I like about what you're talking about, Kyle, and putting together your team and why I asked if you were single or not is because in the pursuit of things, if there isn't a person that I don't know how to describe this and I've made this mistake, if you can't merge in the highway together where you aren't disrupting each other's life and being distractions in each other's life, then the relationship yeah. normally isn't going to work, period, because there's too much stress that eventually is going to build up and rub with kids and life and things that happen unexpectedly like COVID that will tear that down. And I've learned this the hard way that it's so important, particularly as two entrepreneurs that are both both born to do whatever they're supposed to do, whether it's, you know, food or insurance or talent agency or whatever the thing is, the thing that's about it is it's gotta be able to complement your lives and then not only not be a distraction or a disruption, but then also allow you both to cruise faster on the highway. 
And that's crazy hard, right? And only certain people find that. But we don't go into relationships looking for that. We look for the attraction, which is still important, okay? But is it going to be a long-term attraction to the person and what they do in the business and stuff like that, you know? And so that's why I asked the question because I think that in this podcast, I focus a lot on relationships and 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 husband and wives or husbands and husbands and wives and wives or however it looks. Um, but I don't get into as much the single mentality um, because I haven't actually been sitting there during the podcast as much until recently and more so recently now, um, obviously. And part of it is, is that is there's entrepreneurial dreams that go down the tubes because we get in the wrong relationships. And I didn't see it as much until now I'm coming back into this space as an entrepreneur and I have some consulting work I'm going on and I see how these relationships can deter people from their business or this fleeting attraction one night at a bar can literally disrupt someone and their business and their health for like four days. I'm like, whoa, you have people relying on you, bro. What the fuck are you doing? But it's like you have how many people relying on you? Think about it. How many mouths do they have to feed? How many kids do they have in school? How many insurance do they have to pay? And university and tuition and whatever's coming down the road that they need to save with. No, you can't do that. But it's we lack this as entrepreneurs. And like I said, mental toughness, fearlessness is important. But I would say that you talked about it. It's the willingness to win for your team and make sure everyone's fed at the table. Yeah. Because they're working hard for you also. Yeah. If I'm and, doing well, I want everybody to do well. Yep. And if you don't put people like that in your businesses, guys, as you grow um, and then rotate them, because even if you, they start off that way, entitlement can happen if you don't rotate your teams, unfortunately, or keep things open or move people around, um, even with family. And I like what you're doing, Kyle. Um, you're a strong dude. I'm I'm impressed. Okay. And that's like because the hustle is real and and so many things i get on instagram and so many people that follow me and then eventually unfollow me or get mad at me is because i won't talk about all the glory and i'm like you don't understand the money and stuff that's the trophies that's after the success if you chase that that's not winning and you're never going to find it and never in the long term anyway and it's just the craziest thing. And, and when you grow the humans or you take care of the individuals around you or you want to win and you want everyone else to win around you, okay? And if you find that special person, you'll weirdly want them to win as much as you want to win, if not more than you. But doubtful. If you're a really good entrepreneur, you never want anyone to win more than you. So if you find the right person, you want them to win as much as you do. And, um, and they should want the same for you. And... That's important, and whatever it is, maybe I'll search my whole life for it. Who knows? But its I believe that it's true. I've seen it with other entrepreneurs. I just missed it because i it's a learning lesson. I built. I was 18 years old and really even 22 as I, I, I really excelled at it, and I chose the wrong relationship sometimes. And they yeah. were good for the moment and good for my growth, but not good for the long term of me or my businesses sometimes. And so... Yeah. Um, and I've even chased the, the, the superstars and the athletes and the, the stuff like that. And, um, even within that space, it still takes a special person 
to to capture attention and it should as an entrepreneur so um kyle that's why i asked the question because i felt we need to talk about it it is dickie's barbecue pit by the way is the the company i'm talking about in colorado just to give clarity since they just whispered it into my ears as we're doing this um let's talk about the rubs real quick kyle and then what i'm gonna do and and what we're gonna ask is i'm gonna ask to have a part two with you as you open up your restaurant and we can continue on from there just because i've taken too much of the conversation away from you um and i want to be able to ask the questions and everything back to you and i've been doing this a lot lately but i've been really feeling good energy from the people i'm uh, podcasting with so cool yeah. so let's talk about the rubs let's talk about how you develop and that's a totally different realm than just barbecuing and barbecuing competition talk about co-packing possibly finding yeah. a co-packer unless you're doing it yourself so could we talk about that yeah 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 100 percent um i have a buddy out here in phoenix his name's uh sterling smith he has a uh rub company called loot and booty barbecue um i was in the truck with him we were driving i mean we're driving 18 20 you know, almost the longest one we drove was like 26 hours. So we spent a lot of time together and, you know, I kind of, I was talking to him and, you know, I was saying, you know, I have this rub that I have been using doing my ancillaries, uh, chasing points and, you know, doing my thing. That's really, I think helped me, you know, helped me get these first places or helped me get second place in the world and helped me with a lot of things. And my buddy has used it and he loved it. He's like, well, why, I mean, why don't you come out with it? Why don't you have it done? Um, so I, I, I didn't want to be the guy doing it in my house. And, you know, and I kind of, if like I said, I don't half-ass anything. So I called around and I found me a co-packer. And I talked to the co-packer about what my idea was. And here's the recipe. Here's what I've been using. Um, and I sent them a sample of what I was using. And they sent it back to me. And they mirror image to the whole process or the whole recipe and send it back to me. And I tried it and it was completely different. Yeah. And why it was, yeah. why it was so completely different is because the spices and stuff that we use a normal, you know, a normal person would use, we go to the Walmart, we go to, you know, target, or we go to the local Kroger or something like that. And we Absolutely. get the spices off the cabinet and those spices, who knows how long, and, you know, I learned all this. Who knows how long those spices have been sitting there. Yeah. And so, you know, even when you order from Amazon or stuff like that, and that's kind of how I created my rub. And it was a green chili bacon rub. And, you know, being out here in the Southwest, we like, there's tons of Southwest flavors and we're bordered next to, we're bordered next to Mexico. So there's a lot of Mexican food restaurants. There's a lot of cumin and stuff like that. So I created this rub. And so, it took us 27 times of sending samples back and forth uh, to my co-packer to where they nailed it. And wow. it was absolutely perfect. So it was a green chili bacon rub. And the first, my first order was 2,000 bottles. And this was one of those decisions in my life that I was like, you know, this is probably one of the, one of the biggest checks I probably wrote to purchase this. And then I get this self-doubt where I'm thinking – who the hell is going to buy this? There is nobody that's going to, you know, and now I'm talking to myself like nobody's going to buy this. Nobody's going to buy this. I know, um, I've been there so, too. I've been there. It's yes. always the ones I think no one's going to buy that do well. Yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to have a garage full of a thousand bottles or two thousand bottles of bacon green chili yeah. in my, you know, I'm going to be using this forever. I'm going to be handing them out for Christmas presents until I die. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
so you know i did a lot of promotion and i did a lot of i did a lot of email marketing and i did stuff like that i got the website up and going and uh i got my shipment i announced it to the world we sold out of two thousand bottles in three days holy crap that's incredible in in three days and right now um yeah and you know that i mean that was that was the biggest thing that took off in like a lot of people are using it in competitions. A lot of people are using it at home. Um, I get a lot of comments about people that have salt and pepper on their kitchen table, and they have removed the salt and pepper, and they just put my rub now on the kitchen table. <laughs> and they use that as like a topper. Oh, my steak needs more salt, or my steak needs more of a, you know, something. They'll use that, and they'll just top it on top of their food. I um, love this. Uh, uh, yeah, so... Kyle, how but, long... Know, when was... So you're, well, you said you're 34 now, did you say, or 32? How no, 34. 34. And when did you go to the first barbecue competition? Uh, 2014. So you were, I can't, my math is eight years ago. So you were uh, 26. 26, yes, sir. Cool. Okay, I just want to, just so the audience is aware of what this hockey stick effect is it took a long time to get to where we're now talking to kyle on here and a lot of years of hard work before the success factor happened just didn't all of a sudden happen overnight we heard the story it's been years of work and hardship and getting the crap kicked out of them and losing football career so anyway go ahead kyle yeah and so um yeah so you know and the reason why you know you go into a barbecue store or you go into a spice store. You, you go into a store and you go down the spice aisle or, you know, barbecue rub or a rub aisle or whatever you're going down. And you look and there's there's a million chicken rubs. There's a million beef rubs. There's a million pork rubs, seafood rubs. You know, and it, it's got to be overwhelming. For a normal person walking in there looking at this wall of massive amounts of rubs and seasonings, they're like, what the – I just want to cook some chicken. Yeah. I just – I just want to cook some, like, what the hell do I even try? You know what I'm saying? So that's another reason why it was a green chili bacon rub. I didn't want to come out with the, you know, the same old beef rub, the same old pork rub, the same old, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be different. And the labels and the colors and the variations that I use on the label, it really stands out when it's sticking on a shelf. And so people will walk by and they're like, whoa, green chili bacon. What is this? And they'll sample that, and you know it's it's like a it's like a it's a bacon taste with a green chili, you know, like a green chili smack at the back at the at the back end of it. Um, and you know the cool thing about this is it's it's hatch green chilies, it's certified hatch green chilies that we are using. And I make I make I don't know if you've ever heard of a red beers or like you know Bloody Marys, yeah, absolutely, uh, micheladas, you know stuff like that. I'll use that inside my micheladas and uh, Bloody Marys. And it rehydrates the green chilies in the rub, so you'll have little chunks of green chili dancing around in your, in you know, in your Bloody Mary or your Red Beer. That's so. Cool. So yeah. So after that, you know, it was a big hit. I couldn't keep. I can't. I couldn't. I still to this day, I can't keep the rub on the shelf. Um, we're in about thirty-two locations right now, and it's growing. Um, and I also sell on my website. We also came out with a Chipotle mango rub great on pork it's a mango-y rub and then boom has a little kick end of the uh, chipotles at the end um you know that's that's great on everything we have that and then an arizona cajun rub it's a it's a cajun rub it's my business partner's 
you know, uh, it's his recipe. It's his, uh, it's his baby. Um, and we also, you know, we got, we got more in the works right now. And so this is, these rubs will also be featured in the restaurant. They'll also be used in the restaurant. Um, but yeah, right now it's, you know, I, I'm also hustling on that end. I'm, I'm constantly calling people, Hey, you want to use this rub? Try this rub. Yeah. You know, I think it'd be great in your store and stuff like that. It's so, always about um, the hustle. It's always about pushing it. And I love this. And you know, just for the audience, like if anyone goes back and listen to when I started this podcast and how disorganized I was and almost lack of direction on what I was doing, or I was all over the board and I was actually kind of doing two podcasts in one, which is why I've split them in two anyway. But, um, yeah. it's what you're talking about. God. It's just like, you just have to keep going. And sometimes you don't know where you're going. You just know that you have to go And the, this, the spices are, are part of it and, um, the rubs. Yeah. And I think that the, on the table is a great example. I know that, you know, there's certain hot sauces that are like a staple in certain people's homes and there's certain, yeah. you know, toppings that are in, in people's homes. So it's no different. So I love this. Um, as we wrap it up, Kyle, is there anything that you particularly want to share with other entrepreneurs out there? Uh, number one. And number two, will you share how people can find you on social media, where they're going to yeah. look you up? And then I'll make sure I put it in the notes. And then just so the audience knows, I will coordinate with Kyle and we will get him in for a part two to talk about the restaurant that he is opening and renovating currently. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, what I would say is, uh, you know, I, people sitting there probably listen to this like, man, I wish I could do it. I mean, it's all about get up and do it. Um, just don't half-ass it. Just get out there and just go do it. Take a chance. I mean, you only live once, you know? So, you, like, I, I've used this before. I mean, do you really want to sit on the couch, you know, 10 years from now and be like, damn, I should have done this. What if, you know, what if I didn't open this? What if I did open a restaurant? What if I did become the next McDonald's? What I if, know. you know, what if, whatever it is. Like, yeah. what if? And now you're going to fail. It, it is what it is. You're going to fail, but at least you tried. You got to try it. You got to try it. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at, man, is, you know, I get up and every day, you know, just don't half-ass it and just go try to live the dream, man. You only live one time. I agree but, uh, with that, can, and it's worth taking the risk. But anyway, keep going. Yeah, yeah you can find me on Facebook, You're Behind Barbecue, or Kyle Matuszewski. Um, You can find me on Instagram, You're Behind Barbecue. And then I just started a new Instagram for our restaurant, which it's under Birds and Bones. Um, you can also find me there. And TikTok, I'm, I'm, I'm on TikTok as well, doing stupid dances, doing stuff like that, and uh, promoting the rubs and everything on there. So uh, <laughs> I also have a YouTube channel. I got, I'm on all social medias. Just you, you, you're behind barbecue, and you'll find me. Yeah, maybe we have to talk more about that. I'm starting to cross into the TikTok world. I did it a little bit, and then my account, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I get it though. But I get the dance move thing. I, it's very entertaining. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. um, cool. And I, it's not like that. I don't believe in it, or that I'm like against it. I'm just like, I'm, I'm just like the Facebook, the Twitters, the whatever, and Instagram really works for me just because I relate to it. But I do agree with you. I think TikTok is is probably one of the next bigger things as well as LinkedIn in terms of promoting brands, whether we, we see it or not, but that's here and over there. Um, thank you everyone for listening. And if you want to reach us on the podcast again, you can reach out to me at Justin Bizarro, B I double Z A double R O. Uh, my name's in the notes. You can email us, like I said, but most likely you're not going to get a response unless you're a restaurant trying to be on the podcast. Cause we filter all the questions through, 
uh, my personal DM and the DM for Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. I do have a bunch of questions I know, guys, uh, and you have questions for me personally. So I will try to get to those the next podcast, at least some of them. And when we interview Kyle, I do have some questions that I pulled out of your questions that I will just apply to the entrepreneurs. So it's not always that I don't answer them personally. It's just that I feel that I can apply them to some of the lineup that I have for the food entrepreneurs that are coming on the podcast. And so I will answer a few uh, easy questions real quick since people ask. Um, Before Christmas, we have roughly 17 more podcasts we will be releasing. So yes, we are going full bore on a production schedule. Um, based on what, like I said, the cat will be out of the bags at some point, but we are doing a full push. Nashville is one of those pushes based on the tourism and the growth of food there, just based on also being located there in the studio. But the American food industry and American entrepreneurs is a very big focus as well. And then ultimately we do do internationally and we'll focus there. Um, it's just not as much of a focus right now as, um, growing, like I said, trying to grow the Nashville market and then the domestic market uh, for food entrepreneurs and then I'll start concentrating internationally again. But the reality is, is as we both um, do our due diligence on the people that want to be on the podcast and go after and seek people and do our due diligence, um, it's starting to, we're starting to see momentum and people wanting to do the podcast and, and listeners get in. Like I said, our listeners have almost doubled in the last few weeks. So those are all good things. That's why, like I said, things are getting better, but I will never have advertisements and I will never stop allowing everyone to speak freely and openly curse words or not on the podcast. It's just, those are no, no things for me. You're in the food business. You're in the farming business. I'm sorry. I'm not going to just deny the world or people listening of what goes on when you're in the food business or how angry you can get or being able to express yourself. So I'm not going to try to do that to the entrepreneurs by allowing them not to be themselves or their creative normal selves by being on the podcast. So that answers that question. No, I don't monitor it. No, I don't give them boundaries. No, I don't try to tell them not to talk about anything. So um, though that answers the schedule. That answers, do I um, keep them restricted? No, they can be themselves 100%. Uh, and then the last question that I will answer is this. Um, what I'm trying to do personally with the podcast, since the question is, you know, why do it if you don't get paid? And I think that it's a common question, but I'm going to answer it again since it keeps coming up. Like how as an entrepreneur do you do it for free? Um, well, it's not necessarily for free. So just because I give it away for free, doesn't mean that I don't benefit it or get paid for it to promote things or do things or help industries, or I don't get speaking gigs around it. So it's to benefit the community, but what I'm actually, I learn from all the entrepreneurs that are on there also. And two is, is there's a guilt thing that happens with success. And if you don't give back to those that are, were once in your situation, it becomes hard to grow yourself because you feel like almost guilty that you have all the success, even though you know you worked harder than everyone, at least for me. So giving back humbles me, number one, but two, it allows me to have the confidence to continue to move forward and keep achieving things, knowing that they're coming to me as a gift and I need to give them back um, in, in perpetuity or um, 
in someone who hasn't had it yet. If I gave it forward, it wouldn't matter. The person already had it, but I'm giving to someone who might need help doing it. And sometimes the way it was given to me. So what is the podcast? It's a way to give back. Um, it's a way to support my lifestyle um, and and actually try to be the best podcaster in the world and see what comes along with that in terms of food and being entrepreneur space. And so just like Kyle, I play to win. And if I'm going to focus on this and I'm going to do it and I'm going to have the support of a big partner to do it in the way that I want to do it, I'm all in. And so I think that answers your question. But the reality is, is the money comes in other ways and in, in my other practices and my other businesses and my consulting and all that. And is that why I did the podcast? No, it's never why I did the podcast. I really, truly believe I need to give back because I have a guilt thing. And so it's not here nor there. It's just I, just like Colonel Sanders, find that I grow the most in my businesses and my life does the best when I'm giving the most and growing the most of those around me. So why is the podcast in 2.0? I've got a strategic partner that helps make it all possible, that helps cover the stuff now, the crew, all of it, and pace, the rest of stuff, and we still do it for free. And so no advertisements, not even from that sponsor or partner, I should say, since they're not really a sponsor, since they're not advertising. So why do I do it? Because I believe in what they're doing. They believe in what I'm doing. And eventually, this will benefit both parties by me doing this in some way possible, right? So thank you, everyone, for listening in. That's why I do it. I went way over. We're like an hour and 40 minutes in this thing. Everyone's like, oh, of course, Justin, Mr. Talkative. Um, I'm not always talkative, honestly, but I just... I'm in a good note and Kyle's a good dude. So Kyle, thank you. Thank you everyone for listening in and we'll talk to everyone soon. Bye. Thanks, man. Thank you. You're very welcome.